0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Mintified Bytes. I'm your host, Elyr.E, and today I'm super excited to welcome a very special guest, the man himself, Tristan Reddit. Tristan is a concept artist and designer who's worked in VFX for over 11 years and has worked extensively with Marvel, DC, Sony, Paramount, and Netflix, as well as dropping his own art collections, such as his Resonance Collection, his Grids Collection, his Constructs Collection, and much more, which you can find on his Twitter, pixel Dreams underscore art. Tristan, how are you? So hyped to have you. Hey, thanks. I'm doing
1: great. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. And thanks for the great intro.
0: <laughs> no problem at all. Uh, I wanted just to start off by kind of asking you about your beginnings and growth as an artist. Obviously, at this point in your career, you've created some amazing designs in the film space. And I'd love to know how you got started and became such an influential designer for filmmakers.
1: Sure. Yeah. So if we rewind all the way back to starting as an artist, I, I grew up with having an artist as a mom. So I've actually been, I've been creating art my whole life ever since I was a tiny kid. Um, my mom is an, a professional art therapist and also was kind of like the art teacher in the town that I grew up. So I've always been around art supplies and and just creating all these different things. Like, So I grew up as a kid doing traditional art, painting and sculpting and drawing and, and these kinds of things. So it's always been a huge part of my life. And then the other part was I was always on the computer. Um, my dad was kind of like very nerdy. I was building computers back in like Windows 95, 98 era. I was building my own PC as a little kid with him. And I was got, got into even digital art as a little kid. I was using Photoshop basically since elementary school, like Photoshop 2. I was using that and playing around with it and then also doing... Macromedia Flash on Windows 98. I was doing animations as a little kid on that. So it's kind of been something I've been obsessed with my entire life. And my dream as a little kid was this one focused goal of creating monsters and movies. That was like the only thing I've ever wanted to do in my whole life. Because as a little kid, I was always drawing monsters. Like it was my favorite thing to do, was just draw monsters and create creature designs ever since I was, yeah, tiny. And so when I was 18, I basically got right into school. I went to the Art Institute of Vancouver for 3D modeling. Um, I originally thought I was going to work in 3D animation because I have a, a big love for animated films like Pixar and claymation and all that stuff. I, I love that, that world, but I ended up uh, moving into the kind of live action uh, CG, VFX um, industry. And so at 18, I started in college and then I got my first job in the film industry at 21 and yeah, fast forward to now, I, I just love my job and I've been doing it, like you said, in the intro for 11 years.
0: Okay. So I've always found it really interesting when, and I've always loved it when people, their, their path in life, it's like, they've almost been destined to do it. They've almost had that love since they were young and they've just pursued it and it's got them to where they are. However, you do mention the interesting point that you kind of made a segue into kind of visual visual designing for or films right your designs for films are in my eyes really perfect for each project and i really want to know how would you kind of describe your artistic style and who or what are your main creative influences
1: yeah so my my style kind of goes all over the place i'm really into experimenting and and pushing myself into new directions i'm always getting inspired by different artists and creators and mediums And so my style is, it's hard to pinpoint, I think, because I kind of keep evolving my own personal style, which is something that keeps me excited. So my first Genesis mint on the blockchain was called Orbs, and they're like abstract art that look like kind of like little planets. And I love abstract art, but also has some sort of grounding in looks like landscapes or planets and then kind of each collection there's a little is kind of moving in a little different direction um like the grids collection was inspired by jack butcher and like hyper minimalism and being able to take something very simple and then make it as impactful as possible so yeah i'm inspired by all sorts of artists and and everything all over the place including Traditional artists that I grew up loving, like H.R. Deger, uh, Beks, Beksinski, James Jean, uh, Peter Moorbacher. And as far as Web3 artists, like I said, I'm very inspired by Jack Butcher, Sam Spratt, especially with his recent Monuments game. And People, I've been a fan of People ever since I was in college, before he ever became super famous, like he is now. And also Peter Christian Stoveland is another huge inspiration to me.
0: So I'm I'm glad you mentioned your Grids collection because you described it as an exploration of science informing the creative process, and that it's also inspired by the beauty of machine learning systems and the intersection of technology and art. Clearly, as artists in this new era, digital era, that intersection of technology and art is something we're all really fascinated about, not all of us fully understand it. Could you elaborate on that inspiration behind the Grids collection and the process of as you said, intersecting technology and art to create that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So when I
0: made it, there is
1: the ongoing, which is still going on to this day, the constant debate or, in some cases, arguments about AI art and AI generated art and generated art in, in general, and that's something that I felt pretty pretty strongly about because actually I've gone through this before with digital art as a medium, um, maybe ten. 10 plus years ago, digital art was still seen as this kind of cheat code or this thing that wasn't real, quote unquote, real art. For example, when I was in college, I was presenting my digital art in galleries and gallery showings and you know, trying to sell art on the side to make my way through college. And I had the experience of hanging my art in a gallery setting and people, when they find out it was digital or found out, heard the word Photoshop immediately would cold shoulder and be dismissive of it because at that time the traditional art world was not understanding or accepting digital art and fast forward to today I think that's pretty much gone and everyone understands that digital art is not lesser or easier or anything like that than traditional art it's just a different process and yeah it's it's just different it doesn't mean that it's lesser and so when art came in like Basically, it seems like it came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, it was just there and incredibly powerful and sparked this debate of whether or not it is art or if it's cheating and all these things. I just see these things as tools, the same as I see Photoshop using Photoshop with layers and a Wacom tablet and AI art as well. I just see them as tools, and and creatives should never feel like their tool of choice is somehow inferior than another tool of choice. And I love any kind of creative having whatever tool that they have to express what they want to express, I think that's a win. And whether that's easier or harder, I don't think that makes it less worthy. And so the inspiration to create grids was, like you mentioned, scientific progress influencing the creative process. And that's rooting in in the point of view that I have about if you go back and you learn art history, actually, even when oil paint was invented... was seen as a cheat code because before oil paint everything there was no way there was no way of layering paint it was basically you you made a brush stroke and that was that was the final kind of brush stroke you could make and then when oil paint was invented you created paintings through layering like dozens and hundreds of layers of paint and even back then that was controversial and then fast forward to the invention of cameras um which basically took a way that, so someone would have to spend their whole life learning the hard skills of drawing or painting in order to capture reality. And then there was a technological invention, the camera, where you just pressed a button on a machine and it captured reality in one click. And that doesn't necessarily take away from painting or drawing. It's just an invention of a new art form. And so that's the way that I see AI art is it's just a new tool and yes, it is you can press a button and make art, but I see that the same thing as a camera. You can press a button and capture reality. And so I wanted to kind of take all of those thoughts and then create something that is AI art, but I didn't want it to look, like when you looked at the grid collection, I didn't want it to seem, quote unquote, just like AI art. art. I wanted to create something original and unique. And so that was what I had in my mind as I was creating the Grids collection. And the other thing, like I mentioned, was that I was inspired by Jack Butcher's work and his ability to have impact with minimalist shapes and have so much like, um, having, being able to like say so much with was, was so little, I think is what I was very inspired by.
0: You bring up a good point that new forms of technology or new forms of art aren't always readily accepted at first or aren't always considered as worthy or as valid at first. How do you think that digital technology or this age of digital art, specifically all these amazing artworks we've seen come from web-free artists, how do you think that they will be successful in crossing the chasm or is it just a matter of time?
1: Yeah, I think that it's just a matter of time. I think that when something brand new and is, it comes out, I think it there's largely the knee-jerk negative reaction Away from it by the large by a large group of people. And actually another example that I forgot to to add in there was digital editing. So when we created film many, many years ago, you you were literally using a pair of scissors and glue and cutting film strips together and then gluing them, and that's how you're making edits. And then George Lucas invented the di- digital editing suite, and that removed an entire field and an entire career out of everybody that basically learned how to edit and it wasn't that digital editing was it's it, so even though were removed jobs it was like a massive improvement in filmmaking and so i'm sure that there was a lot of people at that time that were negative about it but now of course no one could imagine cutting apart film with scissors and glue and putting it together so i just see these advances as although Yes, they might remove jobs and that's never good, but that is kind of the price we pay for technological advancements. And so, yes, I think that it's just a matter of time. And I think that it's never going to get a lot, a lot, maybe in the case of editing, and no one is really doing it that way. But with the other examples of art, like people are still, you know, using oil paints, they're still drawing and all these things. So each time that there's an advancement, it's not that it's replacing anything, it's just, a new, it's a new place or a new direction to go. And so, yes, I think it's just really a matter of time until, um, like mass adoption and mass acceptance of these new, uh, digital mediums and, and techniques are kind of accepted.
0: Yeah. Improvements aren't always met with the greatest response, but as they say, time does tell moving forward. I wanted to ask you about your constructs collection which you said is inspired by minimalism, chaos, and rhythm. And that it's described as one designed to soothe and stimulate their viewers' senses. And that your vision for it was to stand out amongst the rest on the Ethereum chain, with the hope that every single token is a treasure to its owner. I would love to know the inspiration behind this collection and how it came to be.
1: Yeah, so the, the main inspiration for that was the kind of the final thing that you mentioned there was the treasure part was I, I wanted to create something an art collection that was again using AI art but something that people hadn't seen yet as far as nft and AI, minted AI art and I wanted each piece to feel like a treasure and so I actually created this kind of fun marketing lore before the release where I created the series of story points and there was a man who basically had this vision in a dream uh he woke up seemingly woke up in his dream and then on the other side of this of his room, he had this kind of vision and it was this ocean, this vast ocean. And then underneath at the bottom of the ocean, he saw this like treasure chest. And then when he woke up in the morning, he basically got on a plane to where he knew in his mind that ocean was, and then went on like a dive and found that treasure chest. And then inside that treasure chest was a construct. And so the whole idea there was that I wanted my collectors who bought my original Collection called Orbs, which is which is it serves as a mint pass to my future collections. I wanted all of them when they revealed their construct to feel like they have found a piece of treasure, and so that was my main inspiration to make every single piece feel like something special and like a treasure to to the collector.
0: I love the idea of the holder having what is considered a piece of a treasure and having something that is personable to them and something that they're going to hold sacred. Now that you're familiar with creating in the web three and digital art space. I'd love to know with that being said, how people are going to sometimes hold art, especially in web three, they hold art to kind of have a piece of it for themselves. Does that create a conflict? And do you kind of create art more for yourself or for an audience? And how do you balance the two? Yeah, it's a
1: good question. I absolutely create art for myself. I love the process and even if I wasn't here in Web three selling my art, I would. I make art constantly. It's all I do. Um, it's all I've ever done. Really, it's been my passion. I do have hobbies, like I, I play video games, or I used to play music. I read, I watch films, and of course, but my passion in life is to create art. And so, I, I, I really do do it for myself because I love the process, and I, I love to experiment and explore and push myself and learn new softwares and techniques and all these things. So, it's absolutely for myself. But now as a web3 artist and a founder, it is an interesting balance to to create for an audience. And so the way that I do that is I study the market and I I narrow in on things that I love and then also the market seems to be interested in. And so that's what I've done with the grids collection, which I said was inspired by Jack Butcher. I started creating that after the incredible rise of Jack Butcher's collections. Which I love as well, and I was incredibly inspired by. And then more recently, I created the Resonance Collection, which is inspired by Per Christian Stoveland or Perkwork on Twitter, who's created Harvest and Pursuit, which are generated art collections. And again, I love that art so much, and also I can see the market loving it. And so that's how I kind of balance the two things. I find something that I fall in love with as a fan and also a collector and also inspires me as a creator. So that's what I'm looking forward to balance those two.
0: That to me is what it's all about. It's about being a creator, taking pride in your work, and loving the process. Considering you say you love the process and love creating art for yourself, what's your kind of creative process or creative ritual before you start a project, before you get into some work to kind of lock yourself in and ensure that you're just ready to go and ready to create?
1: Yeah. So I don't necessarily have a pro uh ritual in the sense that i kind of go through these certain steps each time because when i was younger maybe i had that i do love listening to soundtracks like film soundtracks for example like interstellar soundtrack or arrival soundtrack or these kinds of like sci-fi or kind of epic or ambient type music i love that or maybe if it's late at night having a glass of wine or something like that but the the reality is that as i became a professional artist or a production artist, I, art is my job. So I don't necessarily wait for inspiration or have any kind of ritual within my own process because art is just what I do. I mean, I wake up and I create art. That That's what I'm kind of here for. And so personally, I don't necessarily have any kind of ritual
0: like that. That's interesting. It's almost like the most pure form of being an artist. Like, I don't have to think about it. I just create. I don't think. I do. I just wake up and I get to the art and it just, I don't, I don't need anything to motivate me. And that's, that's definitely inspiring.
1: And I I learned that actually from a book that I would like to plug called The War of Art. It's this incredible uh, book. It's just like really small, uh, not very long book um, that you can find on Amazon. And I recommend to anyone as an artist or aspiring artist, or if they're just interested in the creative process. And I learned that from, from that book that in his case, he's an author. And he says the difference between an amateur and a professional is amateurs wait for inspiration and professionals wake up and, and get to work. And I kind of took that as a life lesson when I read that many years ago. And I've I've reread that book countless times, and I've also bought it as a gift and given it to my friends many, many times. Because there's certain uh, passages in that book that absolutely resonated with me and kind of informed who I am in a way. And so, yeah, I, I took that I just wake up and I create um, from that book. And that's exactly how how I am.
0: Amateurs wait for inspiration and professionals just get to work. I, I love that. I love that. Would you say then that you don't really believe in like an artist block or a creative blocks? Oh, no, I absolutely do. It's just there's a difference. Basically,
1: you have that luxury when you're creating art for yourself. But if you're a production artist or a professional artist and you're paying your bills with your art, you don't necessarily have the luxury, and so there's two different few, there's two different fields of art. Basically, there's art that you're creating for yourself, which is largely based in inspiration, and then there's art that you're kind of creating for others in the sense of being a production artist like myself. So when I'm creating art for myself, of course I, I have artist block and creative block, and I'm I'm just stuck and I don't know where to go. But when it's my job, you know, I don't necessarily have that luxury. So it just really
0: depends on and what. Art I'm creating. Speaking of the art you're creating, I want to know how do you see your art slash NFT art as a whole evolving in the next few years, as well as anything that ties into your artistic goals, your personal artistic goals in the next few years. Yeah,
1: um, so I think the thing that I'm most interested in pushing myself towards is is storytelling. I love storytelling and creative writing. Um, I've been writing kind of my own stories ever since I was in college. And my dream is to eventually not work as a production artist, but kind of create and tell my own stories and and make short films and and yeah, like build my own worlds and my own characters and tell my own stories. And so that's a huge reason why I've devoted myself so fully to Web3 so I can get that independence. And so that's what I've started doing recently with uh, off branch of the Grids collection, which is something called Deconstructed, which is an interactive storytelling experience that I've created for my holders, and so it takes place in Discord, and there's a narrator and, and a series of uh, story events that the community gets to participate in, and so that's what I want to lean heavily towards is combining visual art with storytelling,
0: telling stories. You know, I uh, I had a guest on here. Shout out to him, obviously Frisk, and he said that the world runs on stories and the way that we tell them. However, everyone's story is personal to them as well. Everyone's art is even more personal to them. I wanted to ask, are any of the stories that you want to tell through your artwork inspired by personal experiences or personal kind of ways that you live your life?
1: Absolutely. Yes. I think that's, I think in my opinion, that is kind of why we love stories because they do connect to personal experiences and and why everyone loves the hero's journey like the classic archetypal format like why we love Lord of the Rings and why we love Harry Potter because we can relate to these these stories and and they do come from something personal like Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings largely based on his experiences in the war and and these things I think are the the more personal it is even if it's extremely abstract it's like no one know, no one would know that Tolkien was in in the first world war and and lord of the rings inspired or largely based on those experiences unless you researched it but those experiences inform the storytelling and make them have so much impact and so yes the absolutely that is my goal and even I've started doing that with deconstructed there's uh moments where the narrator basically he's going through this surrealist kind of psychedelic trip through space and dimensions and he ends up on a beach, and that beach that I presented to them is exactly the beach right where, uh, where I grew up in, in British Columbia on on Haida Gwaii, and certain like turns that the story takes are inspired by my life. And as well as like I mentioned that I've been writing, doing creative writing, and and developing the story since college, it's this whole universe that I've been writing or building rather. It's like an entire IP that I want to eventually make into a series of short films, and the main character is a robot, and that that robot is is largely my inner self. Like the the, stri- the questions and the the struggles and the morality and everything that that character goes through will all be based on my own kind of inner self and my own inner not necessarily struggles but like questions and and stances. So
0: yes, absolutely. I think, yeah, the best art sometimes really gives us a lens into the artists themselves. And it gives us a lens into who they are and the questions they they face and what they deal with and just what they think about the world, their values, everything like that. Really, where I want to go from that is if there's any artists out here listening, I mean, there's so many artists that now that digital art is opening up to so many people, what would be your biggest advice to an, an artist looking to start out in really whatever medium, digital or maybe not?
1: That's a good question. I, I do a lot of mentoring. I, I was also an instructor for several years at a 3D college in Vancouver called Thick Tank. And when I wasn't instructing, I was mentoring and I continue to mentor this day. I, I am mentoring Web3 artists and I, I just really love sharing my knowledge and and seeing like young creatives grow and, and flourish. It's something I I take a lot of I like I just really, really enjoy that. Um time spending my time helping others especially creatively and so someone that's wanting to start out i think that there's a i mean there's a lot that's like a we could do a whole podcast i think about that that's such a it's a deep question but i think there's so much that i could say so i would say don't feel afraid to show other people your art because that's a huge thing that a lot of artists feel they create something and then they look at it and to them it looks Bad. That's a very typical thing for a creative. I, I have the same thing. I, Anytime I look back at my old work, I just see issues, errors, mistakes, and that is just part of being a creative. And so the advice I'd give is that you just need to learn to let go of that at a certain point and show it to people around you, whether it's your best friend or your partner or your parents or whatever it might be, and just feel okay with getting feedback and asking people, what do you think about this? And just, yeah, letting, learning to let go that sometimes you want to hold it tight and never let anyone see it. But the best advice I can give is to
0: start showing the world your art as soon as possible. You brought up one really good point that I hadn't really thought about until just now, but it is something that has crossed my mind before. I know, I let's say I have a friend. He is a brilliant artist. He's a brilliant creator. But he's always saying that he looks at his own work and his own things that he creates, and he doesn't like it. He thinks that it's poor. But when I see it, I'm like, "This is amazing." What do you mean? Do you think that every artist is kind of naturally hard on their own work, or is it related to insecurity or something deeper than that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a natural part of being an artist. I think that if you're an artist and you look at everything you make and you think it's a masterpiece, I think that's a flaw because. You will basically plateau at, at a certain point if you think if if an artist looks at his his or her creation and thinks this is perfect, you have now created a ceiling for your skill set and your talent. And so, I think that it's not only natural and normal, but I think it's healthy to to be critical of your own creations because that allows you to continue to to grow and excel within. Uh, whatever medium it is like whatever you you're creating within i think that yeah it's just incredibly normal and healthy to be critical but not not to the point of there's there's a balance right because let's say in that in that story like that that artist friend that looks at his art and if he's so negative on it that he just stops then that is a detriment because of course if they if they love creating art and they should keep doing it and they should, uh, pursue that path. And so there's, there's definitely a balance. Like there should be some amount of you, you should feel proud of what you create, but also don't feel bad about seeing it as not good enough. I think that's totally natural.
0: That's very true. And the two things I get from that is kind of one, nobody's perfect, but at the same time, it never really benefits you if you overthink. well Tristan I can definitely say I've learned so much from you today and I think all of us listening have I want to genuinely thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story your inspirations and the process that goes into your work thanks for having me
1: I I, I really enjoy talking about this stuff and if any if I helped anyone or brought insight to anyone any of my collectors or artists and that's fantastic and also if anyone ever wants to reach out to me, with their art or questions or ask me more questions about anything I've said, absolutely uh, feel free to reach out um, on Twitter, pixel Dreams underscore art, anytime.
0: With that being said, I will see you all on the next episode of Mintify Bytes. Thank you all for listening, and let's keep building.